you've reached the Entertainment Hotline, a Chatter podcast. Listen and celebs dial in to chat with Anita Annabelle, chatter.com.au and Media Week's Head of Entertainment. Hi everyone, it's Deb Malman from Total Control on the ABC. I'm so thrilled to be chatting to you. This is truly such a long time coming for me because I want to tell you something. Okay. When I was 16 years old, I met you a couple of times at the Belvoir Street Theatre. Oh, oh my goodness, really? Yeah. Oh, Isn't that crazy? 16. Yeah. Was I nice? You were awful. <laughs> I hated everything about you. You were so awful. And I was like, I wasn't rude, was I? You were divine. I think you even signed something for me back in the day. I can't remember what it was. It was like about the time that you were all doing um, Belvoir. Jeffrey Rush um, used to go there regularly. It was like a really, really prominent time for that. That Yeah, and because I'm 37 now, not to make you feel old, but... <laughs> You just did. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I'm already feeling it. I'm already feeling it. <laughs> I could not believe that you have been doing acting, that you've been doing acting, that you have been an actor for 25 years, like, and probably counting, Feels, right? And counting, yeah, I think it's close to 30, 30 plus. Oh, my God, I just got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still loving it, thankfully. And we're I'm still, still here and... Yeah, still managing to have a career, which is all I've ever wanted. And, yeah, still loving what I do. And we're still loving having you, obviously. It's so wonderful. Well, let's talk about Total Control because I know you and I just feel it in my waters. We're going to be best friends. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) but, okay, Total Control. Now, this podcast, I have so many listeners from all facets of life, so they may not have heard of Total Control or seen it. Can you possibly, for anyone who's not watched it, can you give a really quick elevator pitch of what has happened in the first two seasons, by chance? Yeah, I would love to. Well, Total Control is a political drama on the ABC. Um, I play a character of Alex Irving, Irving, and she's a single mum community leader. She is helicoptered into Parliament, into the Senate by the Prime Minister, played by the amazing Rachel Griffiths. So it's about these two potentially, you know, uh, allies within politics, these two female politicians uh, basically surviving the sort of chess moves of, of politics and the, and the corridors of Canberra. Um, you're seeing someone who is, is not a novice such as Alex coming in, not really understanding the games that are played to someone who's established the Prime Minister, Rachel Anderson. You're really watching these two women absolutely navigate, I guess, the the sort of um, the slaughterhouse that is politics. What I love about this show is we have two powerful female leads. Yes. And not only that, one of you is First Nations. It is. Yes. TV at its best, in my opinion. I'm so glad you say that. Look, you know, I the, the scripts are amazing. Um, I guess we didn't want to, you know, there's no right or wrong. There's no easy path that happens within this show. They're incredibly complex, complicated characters. They're put into very high-stakes situations. 
Um, and we're talking, you know, one of the most powerful sort of offices in the country. Um, seeing someone like Alex, as you were saying, a First Nations politician, she's underestimated at every step of the way. You know, people look at her like she's a joke. Uh, even her own community thinks she can't, she's not up for the job. Um, half the time she's wondering why she's there in the first place. But there is a part of her, well, she's actually told at the beginning, the only way you can make change, generational change, is to be a politician. And that's what she's all about. She wants to create a better future for her son, Eddie. Um, she wants to create a better life for her whole community. And so politics is seems to be the answer to actually making that generational change and in particular that generational change for blackfellas, hmm. you know, to sort of, you know, um, so she comes in very determined and then she gets um, <laughs> fatigued very quickly by the games that are played in the corridors of Canberra. But it also gives a fire too because she doesn't know who to trust. Yeah. So I mean- it becomes a... Yeah, it becomes a bit of an intrigue into, you know, who's saying what, what conversations are being whispered behind someone's back. It's such a great drama in, 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 in that you really are watching these two female characters in particular just surviving the bloodbath that, that happens in that place. And isn't it amazing? Like it's such, wouldn't you just love to know what really goes on? in parliament like i would to be a fly in the wall in canberra would just be astounding oh absolutely and look you know the, the um credit to the writers and to rachel griffith as well like they really sort of lent into as as many sort of conversations with former MPs and current MPs to really get that insight and that authenticity and that lived experience. So we tried to get as close to the bone as we possibly could in terms of what that life looks like for for politicians and the scrutiny that happens for female politicians. And then you have a black female politician and 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 I guess she get you know, Alex gets that sort of scrutiny from all areas, you know, her own community, her own family. Yeah, of course, you know, other politicians in, in Parliament House. So she's really put through the ringer over the season, these three seasons. So we begin season three um, pretty much two two years after season two, 18, 18 months after. And this is our final season. So I think we're really raising the stakes in, in season three, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's amazing. I can't, oh, it's so sad that it's your final season. I know, but actually it's a good thing too because I think there's a confidence that comes with knowing that, you know, this is the final season so you can write to that. Um, and you can actually, yeah, and you can really go, okay, well, how do we want to end this? And, you know, what's the strongest possible ending we can make for the show? It is really sad, I think, when you're watching a show and you're, like, really invested in the characters and the story and you're like, I just wish this could go on forever. But then what I love about that, having that confidence and that power to say this is this is the end and we're going to yes. tie this up for you. Yes, exactly right. And so I'm hoping for anyone who hasn't seen Total Control, you can catch it on ABC iView. Please go and watch season one and season two in preparation for season three, which comes out on January 14th. Um, you know, and just, well, first of all, you've got the amazing Rachel Griffiths. Like, just to see her 
at her best is amazing. And then there's so many great sort of um, uh, actors that we, we, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with on the show. You know, we have the amazing Rob Collins. Um, oh. My, uh, I know, yeah, yeah. I think every woman just uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you know what? He's as beautiful as he, and I've had him on this podcast and he is as beautiful as you want him to be, isn't he? He is. He's just oh. he's ridiculously perfect. <laughs> it's disgustingly beautiful. Uh, he is. He is. And, you know, he's a great friend and he plays my brother in the show. Um, as I said, Rachel uh, Griffiths plays the Prime Minister, former Prime Minister Rachel Anderson. Um, Steph Tisdale? Directed. Steph, the amazing Steph Tisdall. I love that woman. What a girl. What a girl. She's just a powerhouse, that woman. She's absolute powerhouse. Isn't she amazing? She comes into season two as a character and having her there by my side, not just as a just just as a friend, is incredible. Like, you know, she just packs a punch, that woman. And she she brings so much energy and intelligence to, to her craft. Um, I love her so much and I know that audiences love her too. And you, if anyone hasn't seen her yet, you will love her as well. Did you get meet her budgies, Michael Parker? Parker. <laughs> <laughs> you know they're not budgies. They're actually parrots, whatever. Parrots. Parrots. <laughs> Whatever. She'll kill me for not knowing that. I know Parky's the best. (laughs) I know. Like, she would bring him, like, because, yeah, like, that's often the first question. It's like, hey, Steph, hey, how's how's, how's Parky? Is Parky going? (laughs) I know, beautiful birds, and she's obsessed, but she's such a loving mother to them. She's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, she, well, I could talk about Steph all day. She's so, so funny. Could I. <laughs> I know she's just the best. Like she's one of those people that I met this year that I got to interview as well, and I was just like, "You are just top notch. You are just everything." She's just amazing. Anyway, and look, I'll tell you what, she's looking fabulous in season three. Like she is just kicking goals she's as amazing. a character in season three. Um, you know, they've just sort of. I think what's great in this season is that everyone's got their own arc, which is great. Mm. Um, you know, just a little bit away from Alex's sort of world and Alex's orbit. Like it's nice that the writers have just gone, okay, let's look at, you know, Charlie's story that are in isolation of that. And it just, it's just becomes a sort of a more well-drawn overall, I guess, sort of um, uh, what's the word? Story. Story. You know, everyone's yeah. a bit more dr- Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Great word. Great Sorry, word, Deb. You did, but I do it all the time, so I'm actually <laughs> living for it. <laughs> I am a snorter. I apologise, everyone, but I, I am a snorter. <laughs> you are as youthful as ever. You look exactly the same as the day I met you when I was 16 years old. But oh, bless you, cotton socks. Thank you for saying that. Told you, told you, besties. But <laughs> on, a more, on a more darker note, so the series yeah. does focus on social injustices of the indigenous the indigenous community, which is, I yeah. think, is you know, it's so important that these stories are told. But why do you think it's important that we we shine a light on these important issues? Because they're lived experiences for so many of our mob. Um, and they're often 
sort of go happen away from people's ears and eyes and hearts, you know. Um, it's important to me being a First Nations woman. Um, it's a continued narrative that's happened for so long with our mob and our communities. Um, and so to be able to, as an artist, come to a show that is absolutely about interrogating what that means, what that looks like for people who really have no, uh, maybe have no idea or understanding of, of what that is. I think this is, for me as an artist, this is why, why I love doing this sort of work and working with Blackfella Films because um, it's just shining a light on, on what's happening constantly. Um, often it's a two two steps forward, one you know ten steps back sort of scenario for a lot of black fellas. Um, it also provides the catalyst for for Alex's um, story, really. Um, in this production, you know, she comes into Parliament. She wants to make a small change. Yeah, she's she just wants the medical centre open in her own hometown. Yeah. Like that's all she really wants. Yeah, she wants people not to travel five hundred k's to get their sort of health checks, which happens a lot in regional and rural communities. Like that's a lived experience. It's actually what happens. People have to travel for kilometres and kilometres and kilometres to be able to just go to a doctor's checkup. You know, so this brings to light what that is um, for people and then just then taking that to to the, the most powerful office in the land and just going, okay, how do we need to fix this? We, you know, the show looks at um, youth incarceration and deaths in custody. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the other big sort of um, sort of narratives that runs through this. Mm. But, yeah, look, it's really, you know, this. I guess what I, what's really great about the show, it doesn't shy away from those really uncomfortable um, confronting issues that our communities are faced with every day. Um, and this is becomes Alex's sort of platform for her to really challenge um the politicians of the you know that are in power to challenge the government that's in power um she's all about fighting for justice um so she comes in with that intention and then what's really interesting is that you find over the season is that it's not a straight path (laughs) in politics never is Um, yeah there is you know she's often wondering who can i trust who are my allies uh, what she's willing to compromise on, um, what the cost of that is for people in that position of um, public service, um, you know, and it comes at a huge cost for a lot of these characters. Um, being away from family, like Alex is a single mum, she has to leave her son quite constantly. Um, you know, she's constantly scrutinised, but not only our community, her families, but people in Parliament who just think she's a joke. You know, so she's really pushing uphill this whole time, but she gets to a point where she actually ends up playing the game better than anyone else. And that's the sort of really great sort of moment of triumph for Alex is that, you know, she's, you know, she's not the good person in all this. She has to make a few snake moves in this as well because she realises to play the game, I've got to be better at everyone else doing this. Got to beat them at their own game. Exactly right. So, you know, she often has to, well, yeah, she realises that she can't be clean in all this. Mm. 
One thing that was raised, I think it's in the first episode of the second season, oh, sorry, the third season. I just want to read this so I get it right. I found it interesting that in one of the conversations that you have, it says there are practical concerns rather than why things are happening. And so I think it's after the bushfires, they've been ravaged, the the town is being ravaged, and you say there are practical concerns right now, like we need to look after everybody and what is devastation. But somebody else says, but don't you don't you care about why these things are happening? Is this something that you kind of look at in the community? I just found that so interesting. Can you shed more light on that at all? Yeah, so just to add to that, so I think one of the characters that we're in, a new character that we introduced into season three, she's, I think she's talking more from a climate change point of view, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's saying, you know, like why aren't you more, why is it your urgency around this matter? And, and and I think Alex is very much a, you know, person of the land. She's like, well, is anyone caring about climate change right now when they actually don't have a mattress to sleep on? Mm-hmm. So it's that sort of big philosophy versus what's actually on the ground and what's people need short-term solutions now. Yes, she's not arguing against that. It's like right now the short-term solutions are people need food, shelter and water, three basic needs of living life right now. and. Alex is all about, you know, being able to solve the practical mm-hmm. uh, issues right now. Yes, yes, I can't solve climate change for you right now, but what I can do is make sure that I can get a roof over your head. So that's sort of, and that's that speaks to her character. She's a very, um, has a very can-do attitude, uh, but she can only solve what's there in front of her, what she can practice practically fixed she can't fix the bigger sort of issues but she knows she's she she she's in a bed um her strength lies in getting it done on the ground if that makes sense absolutely i mean do you then think that i mean we're not going to heal the world in like one conversation but i am curious do you think that that's how people should be looking at situations especially when it comes to the first nations community like we should be going what are the practical things that we can actually do first before we kind of it's like baby steps oh you know what it's oh that's a a hard one yeah it's a hard one, and I, I, I don't think it's either or, to be honest. I think they need to absolutely, those conversations need to exist, coexist with each other. I mean, you know, when we let's look at the things like floods and droughts and stuff. There's a real cultural sort of, um, there's a practicality within those sort of cultural ways, yeah? So when we're looking at um, fire, you know, fires, for example, the bushfires, and we look at cultural burning, like that's a, practice that's been happening for you know since the beginning you know since our mob have ever done it you know we've always done it and to be able to bring that into the here and now and actually make that a very strong part of preventative sort of solutions Mm. for our bush country um that that speaks to both a bigger philosophical sort of um conversation but also gives a very practical solution yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. So, yeah, abs- but I think you find that those practical solutions do lend itself to the bigger conversations. It's like, well, often it's about 
you know, with our mob who sort of really know how to manage the land, you manage it in that way, it'll fix everything else. And, you know, I was just thinking that when you said that, I was thinking what what happened thousands and thousands of years ago when we didn't have firefighters? Like what happened when, you know, I mean, obviously climate change, you know, that's a whole other thing, but... Yeah. But what happened? Like on the land, what did they do? How did they survive? What did they? And that really just made me question, you know, they must have survived. There must have been a survival of the fittest, I guess you could say, and survival on the land. Well, because it, it's about being part of the land, yeah? It's about, it's a, it's a really beautiful sort of connection to the land. It's knowing that, it's knowing that you treat, the land and it will and you will reap rewards you know mm. if there's a respect then that respect comes tenfold yeah it's a simple sort of but it's 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 a it's a currency that um yeah it's it's, it's just about looking after the idea of looking after it. but you know how does that translate to a metropolitan area yeah yeah you know so so that's the thing it's like um Let's, I don't know, I'd be keen to know, like, people in Lismore, like, after how many years since the devastating floods up there, are they, they're probably still needing practical solutions, yeah? A hundred percent. And also then with the threat of it happening again, you know, that's, it's kind of, it's it's very scary and, like, are they prepared? And, and it is, it's a, it's, a, it's a whole list. I don't think anything is, it's all in, interconnected, yeah? Like, you can't not want to change or find solutions in terms of climate change because if we don't do that, then all these things are going to keep happening and this is going to be our narrative every year mm. for the rest of our We will have catastrophic um, floods. Absolutely. We will continue to have catastrophic, catastrophic you know, bushfires um, as well as cyclones sort of hitting the north coast and, you know, probably coming down to, you know what I mean? So you absolutely have to t- be, um, it's, it's, there has to be an urgency on all that level, you know, we can't ignore the fact that this is what's causing all this heartache. I feel like Deb Malman needs to go into politics. <laughs> no, 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 please don't, please don't. I don't want to do that. Deb Malman to- for Prime Minister <laughs> 2024. No, goodness, goodness, no, no, thank you. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> No, I just. I mean, just I was listening it- very intently. No, I know, and I know, and it's it's. But I think it's you know a voice in parliament is very important, and I I do you know I I am curious, and please, like I said, if you don't want to answer this, please do not. But how important is a voice in parliament? It's absolutely crucial. I think more importantly is about what are those voices to parliament? You know. Um, So, you know, in regards to referenduming, that was devastating and that was really sad that sort of result ended in the way that it did. But that doesn't stop the fact that we still need access to Parliament House. Um, We need people with different experiences, different lives, being able to be represented within Parliament House. Like as communities, you know, um, we need that. We need so many different voices in Parliament House to feel like we're all feeling represented in some way, yeah? Mm. Like 
And I and that is, and you see that's changing like from 10, you know, or so years ago in terms of a lot of the female voices that are in there now. A lot of people of different sort of cultural backgrounds that are in, in Parliament, both in the House of Reps and Senate. Like it's really important that we have that. Mm-hmm. Um, it holds everyone to accountable. It holds everyone accountable, yeah? Um, and it's about being open to everyone's different experience of what it is to live in this country. And that's the important thing is listening and being open to it. Yeah, we don't, you're not many, yeah, we need to do more listening, absolutely. I do want to ask you (laughs) how important, I I feel like I'm just like throwing these at you, so please, like, you know, (laughs) this is is an easier one. Um, I do want to know, this is one that you will be able to answer. How important is it for you to see First Nations stories on screen? It's everything. It's everything in in the way that I imagine anyone wants to feel that they, they're seeing themselves in some way or they're relating to the stories in some way. You know, it's I love that we're seeing a whole wave of new First Nations artists coming in now in this next generation. It's really exciting. Um, you know, it's important that our mob turn the TV on and they can see what's happening in the community. They can see a character like Alex Irving. You know, they can see, you know, Rob Collins being absolute brilliant actor, you know. Um, and a little bit dreamy, yeah. And a little bit dreamy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. You said it. <laughs> Everybody was thinking it. <laughs> I just think it allows people to feel like they matter, mm. you know, that they've been to do. Like we were saying, you know, that if if you can see it, you can be it. It allows people to be inspired by um, it informs people. It's about sharing. It's about collaborating. It's, you know, I think for the wider community to actually take pride in our First Nations storytelling. You know, I think that's really important as well. Just And to do a show such as Total Control for me is, you know, hopefully, you know, people can come and go, gee, that was a great Australian drama. And it is. It, it, truly, is. Truly, it truly is. Yeah. You know, so that's part, you know, I, I know that working with Blackfellow Films, I always gravitate towards working with them because they're the sort of stories I want to tell, but also they're very good at telling the stories. There's a craft, there's a craftsmanship there. There's a, um, there's a level of skill that I want to be a part of. Absolutely. And I hear that a lot when I'm talking to a lot of Australian actors, you know, when they come, either they've come home, they've been working overseas or they they just stay in Australia because our crews, our cast, our production companies, everybody, it is just the most magical thing to work in Australia and yeah, tell our stories. Absolutely. Like we're a small industry, but you're right. Like our crews, Australian crews are, you know, they're having great reputation worldwide. You know, some of the hardest working crews in the world. And, you know, they've have our crews have a great reputation. I think also too, because we don't have a lot of money in this industry, you know, we're incredibly resourceful in the way that we sort of tell our stories too. And we can be creative within the writer's room and know that, well, we can't, throw money at the problem we have to be creative around solving the problem yeah and i think that's 
really great with our industry. And I imagine anyone who, who's worked overseas and come home, I mean, this is home. You know, there's no better feeling. One thing that I, I realised when I was 16, sorry to tell you again, but when I was, <laughs> when I was younger, I, I was thinking how many First Nations people did I see on television? And it was you and Ernie Dingo, and that is actually all I can remember. Well, look, for me, um, and we always, there's a saying, you know, we stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us. And for me, it was, like you said, Ernie Dingo, Arnie Justin Saunders, Lydia Miller, Rachel, um, Rachel Mazza, um, Rhoda Roberts. And often that sort of generation of storytellers and artists, they were also advocates. They were coming through the 60s and 70s, so they had no choice but to fight really hard that allowed someone like me to come in with a little bit more ease into the industry. And then now it's like you look at this generation, you know, so I, I was thankful that I grew up professionally with people like Leah Purcell, mm. uh, Aaron Pedersen, you know, uh, Wayne Blair. Um, you know, we all started individually in our own ways, but, um, you know, we're thankful that we actually had those people prior to us because there's no way I would have been able to do what I did without, you know, the generation before. So it's always been that sort of flow on effect. And, you know, hopefully I'm, you know, I'm, I am, I know that I'm part of that generation has been able to now pass that on to the next generation of really amazing, talented sort of uh, pool of artists that are coming through. So it's just that flow on effect. You always want to make it better than it was before. And, you know, I'm very proud that I'm part of that generation that has for this generation and the, and the future generations coming through. And thank you for also reminding me of the 60s and 70s. Like I, for me, you know, I wasn't even born. So for me, in in my experience, the two of you were the ones that I saw on television. It was like almost not tokenistic. I don't want to use that word, but it's, or would you say? Yeah, well, I mean, you're right. There was very in comparison to what we can you know compared to where we are now to where we were 20 years ago it's a stark difference like mm -hmm. yeah there was me there was Aaron there was Ernie there's only Justine in terms of being on commercial television commercial television exactly yeah yeah like they're 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 yeah it was pretty stark picture you know what I mean so thankfully that's that's in the past. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think that also relates to the national conversation that happens as well too, yeah. It's like over time people have been able to be a bit more educated around First Nations culture and peoples mm -hmm. and communities. And a willingness to not only be educated and understand that, but embrace that. So you see that till we get to the current day where oh, people know what it's like. Most people know what country they're, they're living on or they're standing on. You know, there's always that acknowledgement to, to country that just, you know, all the kids down at the school, just down the road, they know what country they're standing on. So that sort of development and that progress of, and that embrace is the key difference, you know, and that, that, our sort of industry coincides with that or runs in parallel with that national conversation. Often we can be ahead of it. Um, yeah, often we are ahead of it when it, in terms of sort of our film and television and performing arts industry, we can often be ahead of the curve. And I think which is in some respect total control sort of deep.
a little bit. Of, so, you know, it's a great, great position and feels quite powerful position to be when you're an artist and you're able to sort of um, tell stories or be part of that sort of, sort of narrative in some mm. way. <laughs> I feel like, what's your point, Deb? What's that your was point? a great point, Deb. <laughs> I loved it. No, because, and this is the thing, you know, I, and I've always looked up to you and wanted to, I just remember meeting you and just going, this woman is divine. I just, re, I've never forgotten it. I even remember oh. it, what, where I stood, everything. It was out in the foyer and I just, you've always been a very bit, am I getting emotional? <laughs> oh, well. Me emotional, I love this. Thank you so very much. Like, it is, you know, it's important that you know that you have an impact on just not your community, not just not the First Nations community, but for the community as a whole. Yeah, no, that means a lot to me. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, and I'm always sort of been thankful for the opportunities that have been given, but also I know I've worked hard, as does everyone in this industry. You know, we just put our head down, bum up, and get on with the job. But it also takes a few people that I've met over the industry to actually just open that door a little bit wider for, some, for for me to come in and sort of be able to do the work that I do. So it's all collaboration. It's all about relationships. It's all about sharing. And, you know, I'm very sort of thankful to be in an industry that sort of does it so very well. Well, I have loved every second of this and I have kept you way too long, unfortunately. <laughs> I, feel, I know you're like, we could just keep chatting and chatting. We really could, to be honest. But thank you so much. Really lovely to talk to you. Thanks for calling the Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle. You can find us on Instagram at the entertainment underscore hotline pod or visit us at chatter.com.au. The Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle is a proud Chatter podcast. 